1: Welcome to another Thrill Packed edition of Unite, i.e. radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. And we see every day, every week, the need for people to fulfill the obligations of their most important political office if we want to maintain a free country and it can keep the Republic. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriot, and I'm joined in the studio by Don Dix.
2: Radio host extraordinaire. It is great. (laughs) Activist. Uh, You know, guy that cares about his country. And God decided to open up a couple of doors so that I could uh, join you and uh, others here on the airwaves in order to uh, share how far down the path of destruction the republic has gotten. And we are just served up example after example after example. Uh, every day, every week, about just how far down that path we 've gone, every once in a while you 'll see a
1: story which in and of itself it, it encompasses and it crystallizes and it makes clear in that one story larger trends you can talk about statistics of educational achievement or lack thereof or disappointment in the schools and whatnot and that has that 's value to have that kind of information but Humans are designed to respond to stories. And I found this one. This this was a report from a TV station in Des Moines, Iowa, about what's going on in the government-run schools there. And we're going to play a clip from their report.
3: Screaming, cursing. I completely understand
4: why they're afraid to talk to you. Imagine going to work expecting to be subjected to violence and property damage And we're talking about in elementary schools. Most of us wouldn't put up with it from adults, much less children. But, Dan, you say teachers are really considering calling it quits. Some of them already
5: have, Erin. I got a call from one this afternoon. She was in tears. And these teachers can identify. Now, we've concealed the identity on the right here. This person is afraid administrators might retaliate for speaking out about this. On the left is Ashley May. This Des Moines teacher is so fed up with out-of-control behavior in and around her classroom, she reached a breaking point.
3: Most people, I don't think, realize kind of what's happening. Um, We get screamed at and cursed at um, daily.
4: What do you do when a child threatens to throw scissors at you? What do you do when a child punches you?
3: I've been stabbed with a pencil before.
4: Kicks you, bites your breast.
5: Police reports back them up. Children ages 10 and younger, throwing chairs, punching a teacher in her face, grabbing her upper arms hard enough to leave a bruise.
3: In terms of what other teachers have dealt with, I think I've been kind of blessed because I've never had to go to
5: You're one of the lucky ones?
3: (laughs) Yeah, I've never had to go to the hospital or anything, go get medical attention.
5: The teacher in this case was bitten, kicked, and punched. Ashley says that's par for the course most days.
3: And you can only take so much of it.
5: And perhaps most disturbing, the student who did these
4: things just walked away laughing. Look at in the faces of the teachers. They will use explicatives, get out of my way, you <laughs> d- these are kindergartners, first graders, second graders, all the way up through fifth grade. You can't do anything to me. I'm not going to get in trouble. You're going to get in trouble.
3: There just comes a point where you're just so worn out emotionally and physically and mentally that you just can't do it anymore.
5: And she won't. Ashley is leaving her second grade classroom in Des Moines next fall to take a job in the suburbs. But experts say that doesn't mean violent outbursts won't follow. It can happen anywhere.
0: In every state in the country. And it's not an urban issue or a rural issue. It's a school issue.
5: Mary Jane Cobb directs the teachers union, the Iowa State Education Association. She says teachers have been sounding the alarm about this privately for years.
4: The administrators tell us to not touch the children even when they're destroying their classrooms. Our and class- you mean really destroying? When I say destroy, ripping things from the wall, creating holes in the wall, ripping up textbooks, throwing tables, throwing computers at teachers.
5: A child cracked this heavy wooden door. And get this, when a child becomes this destructive, teachers are told to take the well-behaved children out of the classroom to safety in the hallway.
3: And what you just
5: described is very frustrating. That's what they call a room clear. So they get to tear apart the classroom for as long as they want. Yes. How long can that go on?
3: 10 minutes, an hour.
5: An hour?
3: It could, yeah.
5: What's left of the classroom at the end of that? Are you saying that a violent child's quote unquote right to destroy a classroom trumps all the other children's right to learn?
3: Yes.
2: Weren't there warnings at other major incidents before we dig into this? Weren't there warnings at other major uh, incidents where parents had gone to schools and said something's going to happen if something isn't done? I think Parkland, they were warned in Parkland. Uh, They were warned in another school district where there was just a shooting.
1: I think this is a a fundamentally different issue than a, psychotic, and I'm using that in, in, in the word, in the, in the general sense of that word, child that decides to go to school and start shooting. Here you have, and obviously if a child is a shooting, that's a police matter unless, you have the, unless the staff is
2: I'm on the is I'm just saying right. the environment okay. has okay. gotten gotten to the point to where the these are being reported in advance of them actually happening is well, all. Right, but here, and that, let's look at that last example. Children start destroying the classroom.
1: Mm-hmm. The teachers take the other students out into the hallway and for the, up to an hour, the child is allowed to destroy the classroom with no interference whatsoever from any adults. Either, uh, no teacher, no administrator, no security personnel from the school. Go ahead and destroy it. And as any any parent, any human being is going to know, if you let children or even adults misbehave with no consequences you're going to get more
2: misbehavior. Well, look, this didn't happen in the school in isolation. This these these these, these kids brought it to school uh, and you don't even have to go to Des Moines, Iowa. You can just travel right up to Stockton, California for a uh, for a story that happened. Oh, it was just a couple of weeks ago where in uh, Lodi, Lodi Unified School District, uh, school high school was placed on lockdown for 90 minutes. Why? Well, because students were rioting, attacking a police officer that had been called in to detain an unruly student. And the rest of the students started throwing trash cans, started rioting. They had to put the whole school on lockdown. It's estimated as near to 80 students were involved and said that several students tried to pull the police officer off the student being detained. And the big question is, what, if anything, happened to
1: any of those students? The answer is probably nothing. Part of the genesis of this, and you're talking about the larger trend from the specific example, this was in the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. And what happened there is they decided, well, you look at the statistics, the politically favored minority children are disappointed at a higher rate, maybe because they misbehave at a higher rate. Mm-hmm. So that so that can't be so that that must be racism that cannot be allowed. So they so they threatened districts across the across the country with a not a regulation but just a letter threatening their federal funding if they don't make discipline racially proportional. So schools dropped discipl, dropped disciplinary standards. One of the um, I forget the term for it uh, restorative justice. Mm-hmm. So instead of a misbehaving student being punished they now go to a to some kind of group therapy session and they can explain what what made you so mad that you tore that you hit the teacher or that you tore up the classroom or destroyed the computer put a hole in the wall what have you and you, i'm i'm looking at the the accompanying article with the audio from the video we just played and they're talking about, well, you know we, we, you know, we need more government mental health programs. Mm. And uh, there's a, a reference there to a, there's a family on the south side that desperately wants uh, mental health services for their son. But there's at least a two month wait. I don't know about you. When you were growing up, did you need government mental health services to teach you from not to not hit the teacher or tear up the classroom?
2: Ah, boy, I'll tell you what. I didn't need any of that. In third grade, I was walking down a hallway, and I burped. And I did it on purpose. I did it to make a loud noise. And the next thing I know, uh, a teacher who became my fifth grade teacher, Miss Proctor, appropriately named, Kind of reminds you of Miss Doubtfire. If you picture Robin Williams dressed up as Miss Doubtfire, that perfectly is a uh, almost a duplicate of Mrs. Proctor. She yanks me out of line. We were going somewhere, and I next thing I know, I'm in the principal's office and my parents are being called for burping. Hmm. Now, I shouldn't have burped. That was it was rude. It was uh in excuse I was just it was an outburst and but that just gives you an indication of just how far that, that we're talking in nineteen late sixties. This mm-hmm. was I was in the third grade. So now we have students that are ripping apart classrooms. And then the real question is, you know, how did we get here? And what's going to happen as a result of it? And I'll, I'll tell you one thing that's happening as more and more stories like this surface and as the curriculum in the government-run schools continues to dive towards the dark side of morality, where we're teaching children uh and i still i'm sorry, I call sixteen seventeen year olds children i you know i mean, at sixty two uh they're they're young adults, but they're still kids in many respects. Um, they've grown up faster as a result of the way that our culture is oriented in today's environment. But the bottom line is they're still kids and we have problems and they're, they're, we're we're moving to a place where people are going to more and more pull out of government run schools and seek alternatives, which by the way, in California are in the process of being shut down. We have a, uh, very powerful school union that is diametrically opposed to charter schools largely because of some legitimate issues where the charter school um ability to form charter schools is being abused by out of town corporations that are you know working this uh law between the cracks but there are 1300 charter schools in the state and I'll I'll wager a guess that the vast majority of them are well intentioned in getting good results. And there is a need for charter schools. There's a need for competition in education.
1: Of course, the the same the same crowd of people never look at the failures of the government run schools. And there's never enough money. But of oh, course but, but of course, more money doesn't produce any results since 2011. Funding in the government-run schools in California has gone up 60 percent, and there's been no increase in in, in academic results from them from the money. Yep. And you look across the country, you compare sp- spending per student with results, and you just there, there, you just don't see the correlation there. Out of the worst districts in the country, including the uh, the uh, school district in the in the district of Columbia have astronomical 20,000 or more dollars per student per year and they're among the worst performing.
2: Look, you know, there's there the decline in co- what, what the question is what's causing this? Liberalism. Well, yes. More specifically, liberalism. the well, as a part of liberalism, I mean what aspect of liberalism, it's not foreign it's not our, our liberal foreign policy. It's specific to the way that to what kids are exposed to is to undermine any sense of right and wrong, to undermine
1: religion, undermine the the Judeo-Christian culture, to undermine the family, the family and slack
2: the standards of discipline and academic achievement. What's happened ever since they instituted, uh, you know, the Civil Rights Act, you've you've seen fatherless homes in the in the uh, uh, African-American community. Uh, grow from just twenty-five to thirty percent to over seventy percent.
1: Right, I wouldn't attribute that to the Civil Rights Act.
2: Well, because, I, would uh, tr- I would attribute it the to welfare state, A welfare state, the, yeah.
1: The, the, the welfare state, but it's also contributed to by mass immigration and open borders trade policies that have taken away the jobs that middle-class men that didn't have a, have a college degree were able to hold down and support a family with. Right. Uh, we're going a little bit further astray here, but it, the research data shows that when a man is unemployed, his marriage value goes down. Women don't want to marry unemployed men. Generally speaking, I mean, some do, but generally
2: speaking, they don't. Or they don't stay. They don't stay married. What about men that wear their shorts down below their butt? Does, I don't does know that, does that, is that is that attractive these days? Doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's okay, st- some okay. of the stuff okay. but,
1: but the same is not true for what. So. so it, and this kind of a mini revelation for me in thinking about this is you used to think, well, it's, it's the welfare state. You look at what's happening in the ghetto and it's the poor, it's the poor culture and values of those, of the people that live there. <clears throat> but you see the same thing happen in formerly middle class white towns when their job base is destroyed by immigration and or open borders trade policies. They become the men become unimportant, families break up, the drug use skyrockets. The same kind of the same kind of pathologies that you see in the ghetto happen there. So part of it is the welfare state that does that undermines the family and the need for a family, but it's also these other government policies that have contributed to this situation.
2: Oh, I, no doubt. I have uh, some ideas about what we need to do about it, and we'll talk about them after the break. After this word from Ed Hoffman of Summit Finding a Moreno
1: Valley, back after this.
6: Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to, they're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise, with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM590 The
7: Answer.
0: AM 590, The Answer.
2: This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire radio show, the show for the most important office, the political office, the one that really counts that's you. That's our listener. That's us. That's each and every one of us. That's citizens of these United States. According to the state of California Constitution, and according to political theory, when this country was formed, the most important political office is each one of us. And there are a group of each one of us's around the state of California that have been doing something. Now, it's, it's, it's a funny thing, watching what it takes to get people off the couch, you know, we use this saying over and over again, get people off the couch and down onto the playing field of politics. But more and more are beginning to understand that that's what it takes. When we hold our Unite IE Conservative conferences, I'm amazed at the number of people that say still to this day, I had no idea how many people there were out there uh, that, you know, feel like I do. And I have no idea what I need to do, and no, I didn't know that there were these uh groups these grassroots groups around the inland Empire that are uh needing help i didn't know that one of the uh, one of the great places to gather after the conference, of course, is what I call the public square, where all the groups have tables, some of the people with books. And people go there and they start meeting and they start talking. There's an exchange of ideas. A lot of times people start to get involved as a result of that conference and going to that room. But it takes, people have to get pushed to a point to where uh, they're furious, where they're angry before they'll start to do something. Now, last year, homeschoolers got pushed to that point when the Turpin family in paris was arrested and it was found out that they were uh had registered as homeschoolers they weren't homeschooling but they had registered so that they could keep the uh truancy issue uh that's how they were dealing with the truancy issue by registering as homeschoolers uh they kind of went off the, the radar off the grid if you will and when that family was brought to, when they found out, when that, you know, turned out to be young adults, I think she was 16 or 17, called the police and said, you know, we've been uh, held prisoner, chained to our rooms, and the police went over there and found, what, 12, 13 kids that were being kept in in real deplorable conditions. What was the knee-jerk reaction of the elected official in that area, Jose Medina, write a law and regulate homeschools. Well, you got one homeschool that does a bad thing. And next thing you know, we got to, we got to regulate every homeschool to make sure that never happens again. Well, 3000 people showed up at Capitol. The line wound through the entire Capitol and outside The Sergeant-at-Arms reported that there had never been that many people that had gone to Sacramento over an issue. And after all those people spoke in public comment, the committee called the vote. The chairman said uh, apparently a motion had been made to to, uh, take a vote, and that's when the discussion happened. No one would second. The entire committee was silent. That is the power of people organized against the government. And they knew that it was a, it would be a death sentence to elected officials around the state. That is where homeschoolers began to realize, and even before then, that this government is organized against them. The government, as a result of the political pressure being applied by the, NA, the NEA and the CTA, and those folks are fired up. On May the 17th, this sex curriculum is starting to boil over, the sex ed curriculum. And you had people starting to pull their kids out of class, doing a sit-out. You had people showing up at county boards of education. You had some folks that uh, showed up at the San Bernardino County Board of Education, Greg.
1: Yes. And we also have one of our people, uh, John Barry, is on the, the Redlands School District's AB 329, if I have that number right implementation committee. Mm -hmm. So there's many ways to get involved. And being a private citizen is fulfilling those obligations just starts with voting, but there's so much more that you can do to influence your government. And if you don't control your government, as we've learned in our uh, center for self-governance training, right? Government will
2: control you. You got to learn how to reclaim your political power and homeschoolers are beginning to discover that. Uh, parents are beginning to discover that they need to do something because some of the stuff that's included in this sex agenda uh, and curriculum is a bridge too far for many many parents.
1: Some of the stuff, if you showed it to a child in your neighborhood,
2: you'd be arrested as a sex criminal. Some of the stuff, if you're a radio talk show host and you talk about it on a radio show, you might just get your radio show shut down. So, yeah, it's bad. And uh, the Informed Parents of California, a grassroots group that started forming as a result of a couple of parents a year ago that decided that this was a bridge too far for them. There are now over 30,000 parents that are a part of that Facebook group. And that is the power we have. But unfortunately, it takes something so egregious. Like what's being, what our children are being exposed to through this curriculum to get people off the bench. And I can think of hundreds of reasons why people should have been down on the political playing field before this. We'll talk about a number of those when we return after the break. We're going to hear from our sponsor, take a little hit for traffic, and we'll be back after this message.
6: Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event Heard Weekends here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything they that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll free at 855 640 2020. That's 855 640 2020 and listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM
7: 590. The answer.
2: Welcome back to the United Inland Empire Radio Show, the radio show for the most important political office. And sometime last year, the SB fifty four fever swept through county chambers and city hall, city halls, city council chambers uh, throughout the state as c- citizens of communities and elected leaders, starting with Lamita. Decided to stand up against the tyranny of the state with SB 54, which essentially declared that this state was a sanctuary state, that this state would not cooperate with federal officials. Uh, It's now a law, I guess. Um, (laughs) But. I guess that's a law we're supposed to obey, unlike the laws that the state of California decides they're not going to obey. Unlike immigration laws. Yeah. So we got to obey this one because the state says so. But then other stuff, the state says, nope, you don't have to obey that law. It's getting quite confusing keeping track of the laws we're supposed to obey and the ones we're not.
1: Well, actually, there, there, it can be confusing, but there's actually a very simple way to determine what laws – you have to obey and which laws you can ignore. And those are? And the answer depends upon which answer
2: serves the political interests of the Democrat Party. That's a very good point. So we went to all sorts of cities and organized, and I know I organized in the city of Corona to say, we got to stand up against SB 54. Well, turns out there was a an incident in the city of Corona guy by the name of Daniel Valenzuela. He just dropped his daughters off at school when he was stopped by a Corona police officer who said he was speeding. Now, the way that the article in the Press Enterprise is written is kind of interesting because it says Valenzuela didn't get a ticket. He got deported. Well, the story essentially is that the Corona police officers asked him about his immigration status. The article says... Actually, it was uh a little bit of um h- him not having apparently a driver's license he had a mexican driver's license, not an American driver's license. Well, they started asking him questions and I guess you know if you ever got have you ever gotten pulled over uh, now and then have you ever seen videos of people getting pulled over? I have some great ones on that one and what do the cops do
1: well invariably, the first thing they ask is your
2: License and registration, please. Right. And proof of insurance. Yep. And that's the first thing. Then all of a sudden, what begins to happen after that?
1: Well, it depends what the, what kind of response they get, what you've been pulled over for. Uh, do you look like you're you're under the influence of alcohol or some other drugs? Isn't there always is there a, a is, where are you
2: heading to tonight? Where are you going? Or out of this one, if you're speeding, where are you going to so fast? you know oh i my 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 or wife do, do, my do, wife or husband's dying in the hospital I got to get to the hospital or do you know how do you know how fast you were going right well, a number of those questions apparently got asked that resulted in this individual uh, re, uh, acknowledging to them that uh he was not here legally and next thing you know uh he, an undocumented speeder an undocumented speeder what is that? What, there's got to be a name for it. Isn't there? Isn't there a, a, an analogy that you use that a drug dealer is just an undocumented pharmacist? Absolutely.
1: Bank robber is just an undocumented uh, uh,
2: co- bank customer. Customer, just an undocumented a burglar, withdrawal. A burglar, a burglar is an undocumented house guest. So I guess back on January 30th, Valenzuela was pulled over for going over the speed limit in How- the cl- – By the way, how much over the speed limit? Uh, The reports are that he was going 75 in a 40 mile an hour zone. And I'm looking in this one particular article to see if they uh, disclose uh, how fast. This is what I've heard uh, through the grapevine that he was going pretty fast over the speed limit. And so while state law prohibits law enforcement from conducting a federal immigration investigation and transferring undocumented immigrants, uh, into border security. Uh, the article in on ABC7 says he was pulled over by Corona PD, held on the side of the road for over an hour without a ticket, without a, a arrest, and handed over to Border Patrol. Now, there's a whole lot of information that's missing in this. On uh, The Corona Police Department says that uh, the officer was involved in a traffic stop of a van for speeding at 70 miles an hour in a 45-mile-an-hour zone. The driver presented the officer a license from Baja, California and advised through another officer translator, he couldn't speak English, that he was in the U.S. visiting and forgot his passport and visa at the residence he was visiting. The initiating officer called the Border Patrol checkpoint in Temecula to verify the driver's story regarding the visa, during which time they advised our officer that the driver's visa had expired. So the plot thickens, right? Well, ultimately, the ACLU is now suing the city of Corona for a million dollars. And this is going to be an interesting legal battle uh, because it's going to pit uh, the sincere effort of our police officers to keep our community safe against a law that is that is putting Americans lives in danger. How many. People have died over the last year, but at the hands of people that shouldn't have been in this country.
1: Right, and it's not just a, not just homicide,
2: but it's also these. It's also drunk
1: driving. It's also reckless driving, such as this, such as this guy was doing.
2: Yeah, this this could have. If he's taking his kid to school driving seventy miles an hour, does no. it, is it safe to assume that there's other kids that are? Around somewhere,
1: if they when these people do not obey our immigration laws, why would we
2: expect them to obey any of our other laws? That's kind of the point, you know. So this is this is the 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 larger and, and, immigration issue comes home to the Inland Empire. It might be possible that they're not sending us their best. Might be possible that whoever it is that's crawling across the border is not coming across. To do good things in our country. We had just the other day uh, a an ISIS-connected uh, uh, jihadist in, Can- in Canada that said that there are ISIS-aligned individuals that are coming into our country. A, th- a thousand people crossed the border. 500 of them weren't from Guatemala. They weren't from Central America. They weren't from Mexico. They are from Africa.
1: Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't they i mean if you if you were on if you led the other side, of course you're going to infiltrate your terrorists into America while the border is wide open yep and that's all th- and that's thanks to the Democrat Party, but it's also in part thanks to the Republican Party it also favors open borders even though they're committing electoral suicide and national suicide by supporting those policies. Business supports the cheap labor without even though, even with the example of California staring them in the face, it says cheap labor is not cheap. First, because they use all these government services, education, welfare, health, incarceration, right. but also because the cheap labor votes 80% plus for the Democrat Party that, imp- that imposes the high taxes and high regulations. That you, the business says, "Look how terrible things are in California—the terrible business climate with, all, with these high taxes and expensive and onerous regulations." Never drawing the connection between the cheap labor that they want and those taxes and regulations.
2: Four billion dollars is the number that the IRS is reporting that are refunds and tax credits that are going back to individuals that are illegal aliens residing in this country. $4 billion, yeah. a good chunk of that. Now, some of it might be money they paid in that they, you know, are supposed to get back by filing returns. But a good chunk of it is the child care tax credit.
1: Yes. And when they did the tax, when, when Congress under Republican leadership did the uh, the tax bill and expanded the child tax credit. Yeah, nominally it says the illegals are not supposed to get it, but they wrote it in such a way that the, these kind of tax ID numbers that illegals are allowed to get are good enough. So effectively, they wrote the law such that illegal aliens can get the refundable child tax care credit. All across the board, you see these law, from the federal government, state governments, and local governments, is laws and programs designed to aid and abet and encourage illegal immigration. And just this week, California, the legislature passed a bill to give free health care to illegal aliens, adult illegal aliens. So people over the entire world, you know, you have a health care problem, you you get into the United States, and then your health care problem becomes the responsibility of American taxpayers. Back during the days of Ellis Island and the high immigration then, they did health screenings. And if, if people had diseases, they were sent back. Imagine that. Imagine an immigration policy that looks out for the interests of America and American workers and American taxpayers and American children
2: rather than the interests of the Democrat Party and foreigners. It's estimated about 100,000 illegal immigrants between the ages of 19 and 25 years old will be given free health care to those individuals. California is on the verge of becoming the first state in the country to give free health care to adult illegal immigrants using the state's Medi Cal program, which offers free or low cost health coverage for those with limited incomes. Now that's being expanded to include that group of individuals.
1: I have to again fault of Donald Trump and his administration. Back during the Obama regime, Arizona passed a law that was to, to, intended to help enforce immigration, federal immigration laws, and most of that law was held unconstitutional, saying that the federal government has preempted the area of immigration. Now you have these laws, the one we just mentioned, and laws all across the country that are intended to aid, abet, and encourage and help illegal aliens. Yet you don't see the the Trump administration challenging those laws, because most of those laws would fall... Because they are impeding with and they are hindering the enforcement and undermining the enforcement of federal immigration law, which,
2: unlike a lot of the other things that the
1: federal government
2: does, this
1: is one of those express powers given to the federal government.
2: Well, there's, uh, there's a lot of que- When it comes to immigration, there's a lot of questions. How is it that the uh, DHS continues to move people throughout the country, dumping them In places like Murrieta, you would think under the Trump administration that that process would somehow have been stopped. And yet we do learn from time to time more often than we should hear that because of the size of the the, the bureaucracy of Washington, D.C., you have people in that bureaucracy that are directly undermining. Uh, the The initiatives and the rules that the obama administ- uh, the, the uh, trump administration is is yeah. advancing
1: you look at, you look at the reported contributions in two thousand and sixteen Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton from the federal bureaucracy, and all of these agencies are in the nineties there was one in the eighty percent rate eighty seven percent which was the Department of Defense. Otherwise, they're all in the 90s, a lot of them in the high 90s. At the Injustice Department, it was 97% of the contributions went to Hillary Clinton versus 3% for Donald Trump and other candidates. So these are the people that are there and are being allowed to hinder Donald Trump's policies. But part of it is Donald Trump. He hasn't appointed people that are there to drive his policies. He had, the, the Republicans in the Senate have let the Democrats gum up the, the nomination process with 30 hours of debate for every nominee, so Donald Trump has not been able to fill out the deputy secretary, undersecretary, deputy deputy assistant secretary positions that, he, that the president can nominate and appoint with people that are going to be there that are going to drive his policies. Now, why, why would we be flying illegal aliens around
2: the country? We're actually relieving the drug, the, the human smugglers. Them, I hear we're giving them a thousand dollar EBT cards. You know, uh, I haven't heard
1: that, but I would not be surprised. Oh, of course, we're going to give money to we wouldn't do that for an American citizen, but we'll do we'll do that for illegal aliens. If you ha- if you have to, by court decision, release them. You just release them and put them out the door it's it's their problem they they got here on their own they can continue because what they're doing now is they're relieving the drugs the the human smugglers the cartels of the obligation to finish the job
2: and it goes on and on and on the and these are, these are part of the stakes that are coming up in 2020 well it is and this is this when you when you when you list out the laundry list of stuff that we have to push back on. I just, I just saw a video, and I wanted to get this audio for us. There was a newly elected uh, councilwoman from Denver to Denver's City Council. I saw that, and she said essentially that the capitalism had failed, and the only way to resolve and fix things was essentially for the state to take over the means of production. Right. What she said was she favored communism by any means right. necessary.
1: Yep. And she was elected. Yep. So never mind. There's a never mind. There's a communist, probably a college graduate. Uh, but the voters in that in that uh, district, in a city council district in Denver. Notwithstanding that during the campaign, it wasn't like that she hit it. She said it at a
2: debate at a, one of the debates in That's the city council race. Exactly. That it wasn't like she said that after she was elected. That happened during a debate. That should have been enough to have been a red flag for anybody. Number one. And number two, this is why I say a lot of people will say, well, it's a nonpartisan race. City council, school board. There is no such thing as a nonpartisan race anymore. Right. You need to find out who the person's, you know, who their worldview is, who they've worked for before. Did they grow up in the administrative state? If, if you are electing somebody who, especially from the left, and I think this goes to the right as well. If you're electing somebody from that, that politically aligns as a, on the left, a Democrat and, uh, and a leftist at that, who has never held a job outside of government. Like Bernie Sanders. You are in trouble. That's all I'll say, and I, you know, there there are a bunch of people that qualify for that, uh, that have been Hillary elected Clinton, in and Bill around.
1: Bill Clinton. I mean, if they had, if if they had any private sector, like Hillary Clinton was in a law firm, while Bill Clinton was governor, and they got a lot of business because of that connect, uh, because of that connection. But you see, that all the, a lot of these Democrat politicians, that's all they've done. Now maybe they had a job very early in life, but for twenty, thirty, forty years, like Joe Biden since he's been, he's been in government since the early 1970s.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They have no conception of what it's like, which leads to a little bit of digression but an interesting one. Remember George McGovern? He was the Democrat nominee in 1972. He was a very liberal senator from I think South Dakota, and he was defeated in the Reagan landslide in 1980. And after that he went and got in various business ventures including a hotel. And he said that I had no idea how onerous these regulations were on business. If I had known that when I was a senator, I would have voted differently.
2: I think Every one of these people should have to go to work. They should have to own a business or go to work. We've got to take a quick break for our sponsor for this half hour here on the United IE radio show. We will, be, we will be back after this. Easy Word from say.
1: All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of wreck and roll.
7: i be back after this. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590 The Answer.
1: Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of The Private Citizen. That uh, song we just heard is from the, is the longest day from the movie of the same name in the uh, 1960s about the D-Day invasion. And we talked probably most of the show about d day last week and got extensive media coverage it got the the, the the men who fought there were appropriately and rightly honored for their courage their sacrifice and their victory and that was a, that was a crucial day because if the evasion had failed who knows what would have happened it could have been a year or more so it wasn't like I didn't take the next hill I didn't destroy the factory today right you can go, you can go back and try again next week or tomorrow. So, so if that had failed, it would have had huge consequences for the war and the future of the entire world. But in all that discussion, there was an, I didn't hear anything about what happened next. And what happened next was actually worse and more difficult and more costly. How Be, so? Because the Normandy Peninsula is filled with these hedgerows. And there were these dirt berms. What, what, is, what is a hedgerow? Big, tall, very thick bush. Okay. So these, some of these bushes were ten, fifteen, twenty feet high. They were so thick along with the dirt berm underneath them, a tank couldn't drive through them. The roads were in some places were so narrow a tank couldn't drive down the road, and if a tank tried to, a German would pop out of the out of the out of the bushes with his shoulder fired anti tank rocket and destroy the tank. Mm. So between the day after D-Day, D plus one, and when we finally broke out of the Normandy Peninsula at the beginning of August of 1944, our army suffered 100,000 casualties. That's dead and wounded and missing. Compared to maybe 5,000 to 7,000 on D-Day itself. And it, it wasn't the very dramatic three or four or five or six hours on Omaha Beach. It was a much more tedious and costly is advancing to the next little square of farmland surrounded by hedgerows where the Germans are waiting in the bushes with machine guns. I read there was one incident where they, the, the Americans entered and the Germans opened up with the machine guns and seven of our soldiers were died right there. Mm. So, and, and it was just one of these one after another, after another, after another. The, the, in planning the invasion, they had given no thought, no preparation to how they were going to fight their way through these hedgerows, and the guys that were just as, the guys that fought their way through. I mean, you have to wonder if they're going, "Hey, you know, what about us? Didn't we weren't weren't we just as brave? Didn't we suffer just as much? In fact, even more." When you know, you are know, not once you're deposited onto the beach, you got no choice. You're either going to die or you're going to fight your way off the beach. But to go into the next hedgerow. And the next one, and the next one, and the next one, and the next one after that, knowing that the Germans are where they're waiting for you, or they're going to lob mortars into there into into that next little square that you're in, that took just as, that took just as much courage and tenacity to fight their way through that, and those veterans, like so many others, or that were fought their way through Italy or in Iwo Jima or in Peru in the Pacific or in Guadalcanal, Guadalcanal were just as brave. Oh yeah, as the guy as as the guys on D Day, they just don't get as much recognition as the guys on D Day. And finally, interesting. Finally, an army sergeant came with the idea of taking metal from a German beach emplacement designed to interfere with the boats coming ashore, and made it a fork on the front of a tank, and with that. The tanks were able to plow through the hedgerows, and that was a key factor in our finally being able to break out of the hedgerows and into more open country in the rest in the, in the rest of France. So that's just kind of a follow up, you know, as Paul Harvey used to say, "The rest of the story."
2: Well, you know, I I think that when it comes to war and recognizing uh, the people who fight in that war. The enormity of D-Day does capture and the logistics of planning that single event does capture historical attention. It does. And so that's, you know, I think why D-Day earns its place in our in our history. And you could make that same argument about, you know, the first people across the Pacific and across the Atlantic, they, you know, I, I would say that their sacrifice counts every bit as much as those uh on d day i don 't think that you can separate any uh of the individuals that have fought in any war um, i think d day becomes a, a an event to really focus on the broader cost of war uh it if 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 war was boring and we, the price of freedom well and that 's unfortunately what isn 't getting true. We started off this hour talking about what 's going on in schools. Uh, I, I wonder whether any of those kids um, are prepared to, when they hit 17, 18 years old, step up like that greatest generation did in World War II and World War I and then the Korean War, stepped up at those ages, anxious to go defend their country. It was a, a
1: rhetorical question. Right. Because we know what the answer is. That is all the time we have this week on Unite IE Radio. Tune in next week for another discussion of the important issues and how we as citizens can address them.
7: When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All Star. For 20 years, Car Star, All Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is Car Star, All Star Collision. 951-279-9161.